podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mirror man, mirror man, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. It is midweek. Johnny, international break is like walking through the desert. I am parched. Um, I'm hungry. I'm delirious. But I know that there is an there is a clear river at the end of it where I can drink some fresh water. How are you feeling mid-international break after watching England versus Scotland? Um, what's the vibe? Yeah, I mean, to, look, I'm just going to be frank. Like, I kind of just switch off through international week. Like, I, I'm not interested in friendlies. I'm not interested. Just, I, I'm, I'm a highlights watcher. You're never getting me watch watching one of those games. I ain't got the time. I watch Arsenal because I have to. I love it. You know, it, like I'm driven to it. I want to do it. If I, if I'm not caring about the football teams, I'm not just someone at this stage of my life who just watches football just for the sake of it. I don't like. I have to care. So, yeah, I somewhat go to sleep a little bit. And then, obviously, some of the stuff we're going to talk about today, you keep an eye on what Arsenal players are doing, and that's the only thing that's relevant for me. But as you said, at the end of this arid, arid environment that we've been living in for the last two weeks, there's a bottle of Evian at the the end of it, and we're just going to walk up and drink it. And that is Everton away on the weekend and a chance to really, really lay a marker down. Oh, I love it. The thing with the bottle of Everton water is when we get closer to that bottle, we'll realise that there's actually someone's put pond water in there. It's a bit muddy because Everton away is not, hasn't been kind to us, has it? It's like, it doesn't it matter hasn't. how bad they are. We could have two players and we'd still lose 1-0 in the 80th minute. It, it hasn't. You're completely right. It is... Um... You know, particularly with Sean Dyche as well. He's a stubborn guy. Like, they're two negative Arsenal things put together. But um, in general, I do think that Everton are really shit now. I really do. And I think we should give yeah, them a high They're not surviving this season. No, I think this is our year to get them. <laughs> yeah, we'll finally get them. We'll finally get those bastards. Uh, okay, all right. Let's uh, let's go into our favourite part of the show. Hottest Johnny. of takes. Hottest of takes. Three hottest of takes. The AOP hottest of takes. Make it spicy. Sometimes hard to find a spicy take in the desert, Johnny. But I'm putting the first one to you. What's your hot take today, mate? Again, I, I, I've said some things like this in the past on artist of takes in terms of like um, discussing what football makes you feel sometimes. And we kind of led into it perfectly in the preamble there. But when I, it, it feels so good to be supporting my team again and genuinely feeling like anything can happen. And we had a taste of that last year. And I certainly feel it again this year. I'm, I said at the start of the season I thought we'd win the league. I'm not I'm not coming off that pick right now. I love the guts that we saw with Man U. And it just feels great as an Arsenal fan to be coming out these international breaks thinking, what damage can we do here now? Rather than, you know, a few years back, it was like, oh, um, those international breaks are a bit of respite for us. You know? <laughs> We're getting rolled. Cross Mustafi doesn't get injured. <laughs> There you go. So that is my artist of takes. It's, it's good that Arsenal are making us feel something again. 
That's a nice one. That's a nice one. Yeah, um, my hottest of takes is that I am quite excited that we've got players playing for big teams at the moment. Um, Kai Havertz playing for Germany. Lovely little assist. Gabriel, big Gabriel, starting for Brazil under new leadership. That's kind of exciting. Trossard doing well for Belgium, who I think is still ranked in the top three in the world. So not to be underestimated there. Um, and it's just the, the weirdness of international football. I'm so tapped out. I don't realise certain things. You know, Lukaku has the same amount of goals at international level as Pele now. And Neymar, I think, just got to 56 uh, international assists. That puts him number two in the world. Do you know who is number one in the world for international assists? Messi? Landon Donovan. <laughs> really? Oh, that's that just, isn't, that just, isn't that just one of those weird oddities? Wow, um, it's, Landon it's like, Donovan. Yeah, isn't isn't one of the um, one of the top international scorers? I'm sure it's like an Iraqi or an Iranian player. Iranian dude, um, yeah, yeah. Ali it's an Iranian guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ali Dhabi, yeah. goals, something stupid. He's got, and got about a million goals, and it's uh, he's got a million goals. Just... And you look at his track record, and you go, "Oh, come on, mate! Some of them shouldn't count. They're, they should be like 0.5." Yeah. You know I mean, you're banging up some semi-pro Iranian team, and you're clearly a decent player, but you're not the best player we've ever seen, and you're just just scavenging on these not put well put together teams and getting your stats up. But what what can we say? Pele included all these goals from you know from high school. So uh, he's, caught, he's including them from the training. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So international. Uh, yeah, I, I end up going down rabbit holes on um, international football week. I was also going through some of. Um, I'm like cleaning up old. Uh, photography that i've got sort of like living in the Le Grove cms you know in 2015 arsenal were linked to troy dini you forget <laughs> some of these awful awful rumors like troy dini arsene wenger because there, there was a phase where arsene wenger started getting linked to some weird players and he made some odd signings out there but imagine troy dini arsenal i wonder if there was any truth in it or it's just his agent hawking uh Hawking a player to see what the biggest contract he could get. Because I still remember the Jamie Vardy moment as well. We tried to sign Jamie Vardy. Very unvenger like move. That what was that it? Vardy Ch- one. Ch- that get one banged. Chat <laughs> Ch- shit yeah. get banged. There's a couple Ch- of players Ch- that have got rascal Twitter accounts from back in the day. To be honest, though, I would say that um now you've brought it up. Jamie Vardy is one of those players that I always think back to and think, oh, what if? Because there has been times when he has been absolutely unreal. And if we'd had Vardy at different uh, at certain times, particularly after we tried to sign him, I think he would have gone nuts for Arsenal, just given us two or three really good years. And, like, you know, could have we could have won things, maybe. Jamie Vardy getting fed by Alexis Sanchez, Meza Ozil, Aaron Ramsey. Oh, that would have been, exactly. been tasty. I- and I think he was he a monster. Been a big hit. He, he, he was a monster presser of the ball. I mean, he would have come to Arsenal and given that up straight away. The amount of high pressing players that we bought to Arsenal and they just came to London and do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was going through a bit of a bit, bit, bit of a transfer through the years linkage. It's also quite you know when you go through the years, you know, like, wow, I had some bad tasting players that I wanted at Arsenal back in the day. That's for sure. But I'm not a scout, Johnny. I'm a podcaster these days, and yeah. we've got uh, we've got a big show to bang through. There's some hot news uh, from David Ornstein today. Just casually dropped out there that Vinay 
our illustrious CEO, is going to leave next summer. He's got a big picture out of him sprawled across the seats. He's taking on a new challenge. Looking forward to his new challenge. Just says we're happy that Vinay is pursuing his new challenge. But we all know there's no new challenge better than Arsenal on the up. No, no, no man in history at 41 years old goes, do you know what? I fancy a new challenge after going through five years of being called an idiot. Uh, now I've got it back in place. Now my reputation is restored and I'm one of the top CEOs in the world. I fancy a new challenge. Unless he's getting a Madrid move, there is no new challenge, Johnny. Um, but he's exiting the building. Um, it seems that there's a steady ship at Arsenal, so it seems like an odd time to announce it. But maybe when there's a steady ship, maybe it's the best time to announce something like this. Uh, what do you make of the move? It's really interesting, isn't it? Because... When, when you think about how Arsenal are doing at the moment, it's not just like... Obviously, we, we're, an, we're, all, we're all an audience of, you know, elite sport, if you will, but we're also attached to this company that is essentially, you know, playing in elite sport. And so, for that matter, we, we all want our business to be doing well. Like, that's why fans sometimes get annoyed with the fact we can't sell players for reasonable prices. Like, we know if the business is doing well we're going to get a better product on the pitch and, and, and we're enjoying that. And so, you know, it's easy when football clubs are going down the swanee, if you like, to look at the board and go, it's their fault. They're, they're a big, you know, a, a, a kind of, um, you know, a, a villain to point at and say, it's you guys. When, when the club goes well, it's rare that you genuinely look at people, CEOs and whatnot and, go, and give them the credit that they deserve. Now, I'm not saying that Vinay is perfect or whatever, but if we go on to win the league, say, you'd have to say he's done a wonderful job. And I don't ever really hear anyone say, well done, Vinay. Like, you know, I, I kind of see him as being, you know, a, a, a bit of a grey man there. But the reality is anyone who is part of something being successful is at least contributing to that. And so at the end of the day, if he goes on and leaves, I'm sure that we can find someone who might be even more inventive than him. But ultimately, if we become successful this year, you'd have to say he's done well. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he's obviously doing something uh, over there. He's um, he's quite a young guy as well. He's like 40, 41. Um, got made CEO before uh, in his 30s, which is, uh, I don't know whether that is a indictment of Arsenal or a credit to his <laughs> talent. Um but yeah, it, it, it's it's one of those weird situations. I mean, for him, from a job job hunting perspective, I mean, he's too young to retire, but he's probably got enough money to do that. Um, he he's got quite the resume now. You know, restored Arsenal to uh, its crowning glory, not crowning glory yet, but like to get Arsenal back into the top mm. two um, is massive. Uh, help restore the atmosphere. You know, he's obviously gone on this sort of Arsenal vacation journey um i think the you know i think they have a packed resume like try, i think the interesting thing is trying to work out what's going on here i mean it's it's not a it's not a secret that tim lewis is the decision maker at arsenal he's the ex clifford chance lawyer uh you know conciliary to the uh, is that what the word conciliary to the to the to kse um, you know, more mature 
voice in the room, also a, also an Arsenal fan. So be interesting to see whether he goes from whatever he is right now, chairman to uh, to, to CEO, because that seems like the logical step. But it's also at times like this, you've got to look at like what what's missing uh, from Arsenal at the moment. And I wanted to um, flag one of my own tweets because uh, why wouldn't I, Johnny? Why wouldn't I? But I, I posted up earlier. And I do think because Arsenal fans have been raised on having to look at you know spreadsheets and searching out the Swiss ramble for clues as to why we're not doing things, um, it's important to look at um, some of the numbers here. Now, obviously, this is pure speculation, but um, see, uh, a CEO like Vinay, is responsible for the business side of Arsenal. Um, we're we're divided up. You've got a technical director in Edu who looks after the the football operation. Although I think it's actually quite a bit more equal than it would be in other clubs. Basically, Edu looks after players. Arteta looks after the first team, and Mertesacker looks after the youth. You've got Richard Garlett looking after contracts. Vinay is looking over the business side. I don't think he has too much impact on the day to day running of the football side. But he does have, um, you know, he's responsible for the commercial success of the club. Now, I remember back in the day when Ivan Gazidis took over Arsenal. He told us that Bayern Munich was the target. You know, that's the sort of club that we wanted to move towards being on and off the pitch. Um, Johnny, I think you flagged this the other week. But I did want to look at, like, some of the numbers. These are 2023 numbers from Deloitte. And... Uh, Manchester City topped that list, 731 million euros a year. Uh, Madrid, not too far behind, 713 million euros a year. Arsenal's revenue is uh, 433 million euros. Um, we're top 10 and we haven't been in Europe. So th there's that to add on to the pile. But the disappointing part about this list, Johnny, is Arsenal sit 10th. Who sits in, uh, in ninth? Spurs. Spurs have overtaken Arsenal to the tune of 90 million euros. Chelsea, 568 million. Um, you know, Bayern Munich, 653 million. Bayern Munich are over 200 million euros better off than Arsenal. And I can't help but think that considering the head start and the amount of years we spent in the Champions League, we really haven't made our commercials um, work that hard. And when you look at teams like Man United, who can have up and down seasons, they're churning out, 200 million pound transfer spends every year with no problem, no impact on uh, their long-term success. And um, Arsenal was still sitting like, you know, in quite a stagnant position down the bottom. So I do wonder whether this is being commercially driven. And I wonder whether they might look to get a big dog from European football that um, is not more commercially minded because Vinay came from a commercial background, but I don't know, just maybe a bit more aggressive um, about how we do deals. Yeah, I think it's, I think, honestly, I think it's um, really, really encouraging for Arsenal fans because for so long we've, we've looked at the way that we've done business and no fan, no Arsenal fan has felt confident that we were maximizing our business, you know, in terms of, you know, transfer incomings just being one of them. But certainly in terms of commercial deals that we consistently fall behind rivals who, just don't quite frankly have the legacy that we have and the, you know, the fan base and I'm talking Chelsea and, and they've had years of high performing, performing teams and, and league wins and champions league wins. And we've fallen behind that. But I think that, you know, 
you can lose sight of the facts that one thing begets the, the other in terms of if you are really performing well, you have more money to spend. You invest in better players. Better players score goals, win games, win leagues. You win a league, you're a champion, you're earning more money. Like the one, one thing comes after the other and we have not been maximising that area of the business and it's about time that we do take it seriously because we are like an absolute sleeping giant. I think we could really, really make some noise if we started to maximise uh, the commercial success and uh, and keep funnelling the money back into the company. Yeah, that, and it's it's interesting as well. Like, I, I wonder if the there needs to be a little bit of a shake up of the philosophy. And listen, this is this is all speculation. But I sat in, uh, you know, I think um, I think Vinay was brought in by Ivan Gazidis. I think he came in from like working the Olympics back in the day um, as a as a commercial guy. But y- you look at where our revenue is, and it has remained in that sort of you know three hundred to four hundred million range for a very long time. And I remember I sat in a Q&A with Gazidis or like we did like this little thing in like 2013 or 14 where he invited like me and a few bloggers into his office to talk about Arsenal. And I think one of, uh, I think there was a question that came up. I don't know if you remember or whether you even give a shit about this sort of stuff. But Man United did a training top deal with DHL. So they had the biggest shirt sponsor in the world and then they just dropped this training shop deal with DHL and it was monstrous. And I think the the kind of commercial view of it was, oh, wow, you've really stung your main sponsor here because they, they thought that they got total ownership of the shirt, which was kind of standard in Premier League. And now the player, they've found a loophole and they've sold it for however many million. And we, I, we, I think we brought that up and Gazidis was like, basically said something along the lines of like, we don't max out our deals. Like our view is if like, if you're always looking to get an extra million here, extra million there, uh, it, it impacts your, you know, your reputation in the market. And we want to have good relationships that are over the long term. And how we've behaved since Gazidis has left ladders back to that quite nicely right we've, we've shifted um kit sponsors and we're with adidas but you know we should always have been with a, a major major player in that area but the shirt sponsor is still the same and it's not the biggest in the world the stadium sponsor is still the same whereas teams like you know other teams in the premier league are always sort of chopping and changing and it's a uh, i wonder whether um i wonder whether the sort of uh, softness that was in the dressing room under Wenger and Emery is the same softness that could have been in the corporate side. And maybe this is a move to rectify that because when you see Bayern Munich are making 200 million more than us and Spurs nearly 90 million, you've got to be saying, hold on, we're a bigger club than Spurs. Um, I'm sure we've got a bigger fan base than Bayern Munich. We're in London, lads. We're in London. Like if you, as, as a corporate sponsor, where do you want to be traveling? Do you want to be going to the Northwest or do you want to be inviting the gang down to London? You want to go to uh, Clover Club or one of the fancy restaurants and then we'll have a day out. So I wonder whether it's like, are we really maxing our potential here or should we at least be in the top five? We're in the top four clubs in Europe now by betting standards. Shouldn't we be getting a little bit closer to Man United who've had a horrible five years, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, so one of the things that you were saying there, being that, um, you know, Spurs are outperforming us and obviously we saw Chelsea where as well. One of the main things will be that we haven't been in the Champions League. Like, you know, Spurs won't have that income above us <clears throat> when they're not in the Champions League and we are. That I, I expect that to be flipped pre- pretty quickly because they've been, they've been earning that money for a while. But I feel like we've moved into being a team to look like we could be in the Champions League for a little run now, like there or thereabouts every year. Um, and, you yeah. you know, you certainly wouldn't back against us that we're going to win a big trophy in the next few years. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not betting against us. I feel like there's something in the air and, I, and I'm loving it because whatever happens, that game against United showed me that we have guts and we are going to have ups and downs this season, but they have a way of pulling out. So... It's gonna when you've got a team like that that you know are gonna fight, you it's always gonna be a fun season, whatever way it works out, you know. And I just hope we can get over the line. Yeah, and like I, I hear you, you know, Champions League money is obviously massive and Spurs have had more of it. But what's that worth a year? You know, maybe 60, 70 million if you have a good run, like 90 if you win the whole thing. Like that still puts us on parity with Spurs. Like what's going on? They don't have it. Spurs. Spurs don't have a stadium sponsor, so they're you know. But what's that going to be worth now? Twenty, thirty million a season. So Spurs still haven't maxed out their commercial revenue, but they shouldn't be anywhere near us, really. In my opinion, haven't won a trophy in four hundred and sixty-two years, Johnny. So, um, yeah, but I, but I we that... we we have to maximize our run in the Champions League now, and and yeah, and. 100%. The, the the other point that I was going to make about it as well, when you were saying about um, it, you know, us getting back to that level, like I completely agree that we, you know, a, a situation like with the Emirates state um, stadium naming. Now, if they move from the Emirates, it would actually feel quite weird for me now because I'm I'm used to calling it the Emirates. Um, you know, after that Highbury move, like there was always that. Bedding in stage. We're way well past that now. The stadium feels like it's got its own memories in there. And um, so I'm used to calling it the Emirates. And if it changed, it would be quite a kind of weird day. It's like, oh, well, what's it going to be now? You know, but the fact is, is we have to be ambitious and aggressive as a club. And I don't think it's there's necessarily room for niceties when it comes to just trying to do your best. You know what I mean? To to earn revenue and plough it into the team. So at the end of the day, I definitely think there's more we can do. And with an aggressive CEO, then who knows, we might end up being one of those like teams that can really rule the roost in Europe, not just the Premier League. Yeah, no, you're, you're 100% right on naming rights. No, like if the Emirates dropped out tomorrow, no one, and I mean no one, is coming in because everyone will call it the Emirates for the rest of time. It's, it's interesting from a sponsorship perspective as well because like it, it's almost like like emirates isn't a sponsor i'm not when i think of emirates i'm not thinking about planes i'm just thinking of a stadium so it's almost it almost like becomes its its own thing like it almost stops being a sponsorship um opportunity it's like man united and uh, you couldn't do a naming rights deal for old trafford it's old trafford unless they knock that stadium down and start again but and it's the same with Spurs. You couldn't have Google wouldn't have been interested in renaming White Hart Lane. Does the Spurs Stadium even have like a, a sort of base name? Is it just a yeah, bowl? Toilet bowl. 
Toilet bowl, yeah. That is it, officially. It's just the bowl. I don't even, that was I don't the architect's know. brief. <laughs> they still they still haven't they still haven't shifted that one the google uh, the google offer uh, still hasn't been done but anyway enough talking about corporate uh corporate issues johnny um you've got a topic that you wanted to discuss it's called the manager gamble johnny what is going on here yeah um so obviously i tweeted about it earlier but um i thought it was um pretty explosive news to be quite honest it was revealed by, let me just quickly um, check on Twitter, Daniel, so I don't misna- misname him. Um, Daniel Taylor from The Athletic revealed that the FA have secretly let off a manager who has been gambling on football. The manager, who cannot be named because of a court ruling, was spared at the same time Ivan Tony and others were being punished. And the FA is refusing to say why. Pete, this is absolutely outrageous. Um, You've got a situation where there is a manager who is active in the game. It's not like, you know, uh, someone who was managing five years ago and it's a bit of a scandal, but not necessarily relevant. Actively managing is caught gambling, very much the same same crime, as it were, um, that Ivan Tony was busted for. And yet this guy, because of what? Because of strings? Because of what could the FA be letting him off for when Ivan Tony is sitting there with a six-month, was it, ban? Certainly out till Christmas, I know that much. Um, four months, I think it was. But um, he must be sitting there and going, well, what, what the fuck is different between what I've done, what this person's done, and why are they being allowed anonymity and not getting punished? What did you make of the fiasco, Pete? I mean, on the face of it, it doesn't sound good, and um, I, I haven't I haven't read too much about it. I guess it's um, there might be different types of gambling, though. It's like, were you were you gambling on your own games? Were you gambling on yourself? That's you know that's quite serious. You're gambling on yourself, like, or were you doing fantasy football, like FanDuel or something like that? Um, so it'd be interesting. Like, there's, I mean, there's got to be a, there's got to be a, a proper reason for it. But what I don't get is if there is a proper reason for it, you've got to tell us, right? You can't, you can't just be like, no, we'll, we'll, we'll keep that one a secret. Why would you keep it a secret? Why wouldn't you just say, well, we thought the, the type of gambling was incorrect, and oh, by the way, we don't have a zero tolerance um, approach to gambling either. I think that that's also the danger. Shouldn't feels like gambling should be a zero tolerance thing. There shouldn't be like workarounds, right? Because if, even if a manager is gambling on something else, that, that, that can, it's, it's a, it's a, you can see the path the way you could end up getting quite serious on it. Like I think, I don't think players should be allowed to gamble at all. Um, I think it opens up all sorts of, um, can potentially open up all sorts of problems. But I guess it's difficult to say that when the Premier League is so heavily sponsored by gambling um, promoters. But yeah, like, would would you think that somebody should be if they were if it was like fantasy football, which and they had a fantasy league, would that constitute gambling for you, and would that be as severe a punishment? Um, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? But um, basically, the, I'm kind of like you. I I just kind of feel like if you say if it is gambling, then it is gambling. That is what it is. Um, 
And it's obviously most logical people will realise that playing fucking soccer six on a Saturday is different to having 500 grand on your team winning. You know, there are levels to it. But ultimately, when you're in professional sport, one of the only things that we ask people to do, um, you know, they do a lot of things, to be fair. But one of the things we ask these people to do to work in an in an industry we all love is interesting and is, you know, very financially rewarding is just not gamble. It's not that much to give up, I don't think, for, you know, for the, for the reward out of it, if you like. Um, and for someone to, I don't know, for someone to do it, maybe they, you know, are a gambling addict and that would be, uh, you know, it would be sad in itself, you know. But the fact is, is that institutionally, you would expect the FA still to uphold the law, if you like. Otherwise, what are we encouraging? Well, we've got some specifics, Johnny. I've got some s- specifics. So manager right. A uh, had eight betting accounts and admitted to being a gambling addict in evidence presented to in a court case last year in which two former footballers were accused of blackmailing him. Oh, my word. Um, <laughs> although the majority of those bets were placed on horse racing, the court was told he had also contravened FA rules by gambling on his own sport. So gambling on sport. So maybe not gambling on himself. No, but, but he, he like, had a football there's bet got, There's got to be zero tolerance, hasn't there? Yeah, if you're having football bets, like this is what Ivan Tony was arguing. Like he was like, I I believe he said he never bet on he never bet on his own team or any. I think there was one bet that he made that was even slightly related to his team because it was like a team they were playing or something. I I can't remember, so I won't I won't say. But um, either way, he was like, I never, you know, was running onto the pitch and betting on my team to lose and you know trying to throw a game. That was never a, a thing. It was just I'm betting. I'm betting on things. Do you know what I mean? Um, so obviously they're both been, you know, different people feel about gambling addiction in different ways, but I think it's really sad and um, I feel bad for those people, you know, but you, you would have to believe that it is addiction if they're willing to risk such a wonderful opportunity because they can't control themselves. It's, you know, it, it's certainly something I don't, I don't, 20, you 28 know, bets on your own sport feels quite serious to me. And it, it, but it's it's the secrecy of it, yeah. And I I I um I think I think I I think I read somewhere at least in America the um the addiction associated with the most suicides is uh, is gambling, and you know I think everybody knows somebody in their life that has got a gambling problem. I knew somebody that had quite a severe gambling problem, and over a number of years ended up in prison off the back of it. And uh, you know the guy would do absolutely hideous things. Um, and you couldn't believe it. And the worst thing is that they were they were doing it. They're doing it sober, so it's not it's not alcohol induced or anything like that. And I think it's uh, has a ter- takes a terrible toll on the people around you, like friends, family. Um, and it's quite it's quite desperate to watch somebody um, going through that. And it's the you know the other interesting thing about gambling is just how prominent. Like if you've got a gambling problem. And you want to watch Soccer Saturday or whatever? It's like wall to wall betting ads 
and it's 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 like going into a casino watching those things. And then we've, I think the Premier League is withdrawing gambling sponsors from the front of the shirts, but they're still plastered all around the stadium. It's betting shops everywhere. Um, I don't think enough is written about the toll gambling takes on um, on people. Like it's kind of it's it's a little bit hidden, but like if you if you experience it or get to see it, it's like oh my word, I can't believe these things are happening. But in sport. It's like a, a manager with a with a gambling problem. It's like wow, you hit somebody like what's the average salary in the Premier League? Like two million plus. These people don't need to to gamble, but they're they're, they're living it every day. So a um, little bit worrying. But I think the bigger concern is like why are the why are the FA keeping it secret? Why didn't they charge? I think that if you're going to punish Ivan Tony, somebody who's got a very short career. Um, with that sort of severity, like you got to you got to be transparent about why the manager doesn't get it. Twenty eight bets, gambling addict. I mean, wow. Wait, a hundred percent, mate, hundred percent. And you know, look, I'm going to be brutally honest. That I can't help but there be a little bit of selfish interest when I come to my judgment on that, because if a manager can get off without a, you know, without any punishment. Well, I would quite like Ivan Tony at Arsenal. I'm going to be realistic about it. I think he's a great player, and I think he would really, really add something to our team. I think he could be a nutter for us. And mm. if if it meant that he, you know, he could basically come back in a month or you know, he's done his time already, time served. Then, if we could sign him, basically, is what I'm saying. In January, he's, he's ready to roll, and he's somehow got his name back. And maybe even had a little run into January because he starts playing again early, so he's red hot. I think I think he should be someone we are interested. We would be interested in. The only thing that I keep hearing is a question of character and whether or not people think that he would gel with Arteta. But I really think the player has so much upside for us if we were going to look in his direction. Yeah, I I I don't like the only character problem that you that you potentially got is. Is he truly over his gambling problem? That's the only thing that you don't, you know, like if he's not, then you don't want to spend 50 million on a striker that could be banned for, you know, next time he gets banned, it's not going to be six months, it's going to be two years. And that's a, that's a, that's that's a, that's a, you know, pardon the pun, that's a big gamble that you're taking on (laughs) him being correct and him having his problems under control. But what what an unbelievable player! I think he I think he gel well. If you can if you can score that many goals at Brentford, you have got something special. And you know we spoke about this at the start of the season. But the way Ivan Tony spoke about Arsenal on that podcast, like you just you know someone has been tapping not not tapping him up because that makes it sound illegal. But you know somebody's been whispering in that in the ear of his agent. You know that they're uh, they're, they're putting feelers out, and you can just you can imagine the story, Ivan. Look at the problems Arsenal have at the moment. You're one of the best in the air in the Premier League. We've we've got you know got ten players that we can surround you with that can pick out a penny from sixty yards. Sometimes we struggle with uh, an attacker that can occupy uh, defenders. We're in the Champions League. You can probably stay in the same house that you're in at the moment. Don't worry about moving. Oh, definitely, definitely. And we'll and we'll give you we'll give you 190 grand a week. What do you say? Like, is he going to turn that down? He'd be a real now signing, though. And it's, it's you know, the, I think the idea that we're going to get Evan Ferguson is maybe a bit fantastical. I like the idea of it, but I, I don't know. I mean, it feels like more the, 
the type of player that we go after, but I feel like Man City are just going to nip in. Mind you, they, they can't, can they? I mean, you can't you can't say, Evan, do you want to come and sit behind Haaland? Yeah. Maybe I, I honestly, I think, I think Tony is a realistic shout. It would still feel like a surprise if we went for him, but I think, I think he answers a lot of questions. And I do honestly think there'll be political pressure now to get, and he, you know, he's his um, time reduced or some kind of you apology. Because, started. You yeah, know. because it's it's outrageous if that if that they will yeah. not like that this has come out. And so, if I was Tony, I'd be like, I want to come back now. There's another guy who's been doing what I've been doing, and he's basically not faced any punishment. So I've already done more than him. If he came back at a little run, got going with Brentford, he. I mean, imagine if in from January on, able to play in the Champions League. You had a front line of Saka, Jesus, and Ivan Tony, or you, you know what I mean, or Martinelli and Ivan Tony and um, and Ketty on the side. Like, there's so many combinations that he unlocks. I think that front line would look really terrifying for a lot of big teams. I agree. I agree. I don't know how we got here, Johnny, but somehow we did. Uh, so I've liked we, it. It's, it's been a nice little it, the conversation's been flowing and veering off. It meandered, but I, I, I like, I like that. All right, let's move on to the next topic of conversation. There are strong rumors. I think they come from the Daily Mail, but the Daily Mail is very good at sport. Um, Bukayo Saka is wrestling with an Achilles issue. Um, Johnny, I think we've been saying this for a long time. Um, brilliant the Bukayo Saka has played 962 games in a row. Um, but that is going to come at a cost at some point. An inflamed Achilles, a, an Achilles that's causing a problem. I don't like the sound of that, Johnny, because the only position that we don't have good coverage for is him. Um, Johnny, what do you make of the story? Do you, th- you know, it doesn't feel like the sort of thing that you make up. Oh, hello. Um, yeah, so. I think because I also, as you guys know, the audience knows, I um, watch and am quite interested in NFL. Um, I think this particularly strikes a chord with me because people that follow NFL will know that this week we saw a really shocking uh, injury. And not shocking like, you know, in terms of a two-footed leg snapper, but just in terms of, a player with so much hype around him um, could go onto a pitch and suddenly have it all taken away so quickly. It was it was dramatic, and that was Aaron Rodgers for his debut um, Instant, with the New York right? Jets. Yeah, he literally had four, four four downs, and on the fourth one, he gets he's getting pressured all the time. And you're talking about a guy who's you know quite old now in sporting terms and just can't take monster hits all the time. And f- four hits in. His foot got lodged and he's done his Achilles and he's out. You're talking about being out for a year. That makes me extremely worried. I know they're at different stages of their careers and Saka is younger and you'd expect him to possibly deal with injuries better at this age. Having an Achilles injury is not the one. It can destroy careers. So if there's any, you know, truth in the rumours, I think we need to seriously proceed with caution now. And not least because... We've got the opportunity because Saka's not been doing that well lately. Anyway, um, it, no one, will, no one's going to kick up a fuss if he sits a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, do we have we to know... play him against Everton? Like really? exactly, but we know, 
unless he does the option of Jesus at right wing and uh, Eddie through the middle. That's the un- that's the thing that you know could happen. But all I'm saying is, if there's any se- any um, truth in these rumours, then I hope that that's what they would do because we can't take risks like long term risks with this guy. He's just too important to everything that we um, you know are hopeful about. Yeah, it's it is it's really concerning and because I've just been watching Bukayo Saka for the last nine months, just thinking this 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 run cannot go on forever. Everybody, you know, like I feel like players get a, a big injury every two to three years, and Bukayo, thank God, hasn't had one. I just wouldn't want it to be an Achilles injury, but I, I don't have enough medical expertise or any medical expertise to say what the cure is or how you look after it. I know that we've got um, we've got really good staff at Arsenal, so hopefully they'll be looking after it. I think it's um, it's one of those strange dynamics. It's like you've got Mikel Arteta, who's like on the record. Bakayo should be able to play seventy five games a season. He said it last year. He's like the best players pay through the, play through the pain, and he said it over and over again. And I think it's quite an immature view, although it does have some grounding in fact because. Lionel Messi plays a lot of games. Cristiano Ronaldo played a lot of games. But I think a lot of the players that never get injured play at European clubs where you don't have the same intensity. You know, like Kevin De Bruyne is now struggling after playing a lot of games over the last few years. Like Premier League, every single game is difficult. La Liga, like, I'm sorry, there are, there are four good teams in La Liga and then the rest of them don't have anywhere near the money of the top teams. So they're not getting worked as hard. So it's a slower pace. Same, you know, same can be said of Germany. Same can be said of France. But the Premier League, it's uh, 38 really tough games each season. And Arteta doesn't like to rest Bukayo Saka. And I just, you know, he didn't like to rest Thomas Partey. Didn't like to rest William Saliba. Every single time there's a player that you're like, oh, like we should rest him. And he doesn't. We get punished. And I'm just really, really hope that we can show a little bit maturity and make sure that he is perfect for the back end of the season and that we don't, you know, don't do something stupid now. But like if it, it no Saka, no Premier League, Johnny, in my opinion. What do you think? I, I, I think that's hundred percent true. <laughs> no Saka, no nothing. There's no question. I don't think we're even he's too important. Not necessarily now. And I understand why people have felt a little bit like, come on, he's not really played well lately. Like, he hasn't. But he does special things. And there are runs that he can go on where, you know, he's having a little bit of a bad patch. That's all it is. He can go on runs where 10 games, 11 games of the bounce, he can do something. He can win games. He he He's accountable. Even in his bad games, like, you don't ever feel like he's gone hiding. He just, he's just not got it that day. Do you know what I mean? Like, but I think he's a brave character. He's just wonderful. And um, the fact is, is we have to think about the fact that we want success over long, over, over a longer period. And of course, it would be good to, you know, it, it, it would be easy to be lured into just, you know, risking everything for short-term success. But the reality is we've got to think about the long-term health of these big players because they're the ones that, if you can keep them at your club, keep them healthy for three or four years, they're going to win things because they're too good. So um, one of the biggest things that could de- derail it for us is players like Saka picking up 
like chronic issues and uh, and injury concerns that they're not currently dealing with. Yeah, I'm just looking up uh, how long it takes to recover from an inflamed um, Achilles. Google's generative AI, which is basically like a doctor, recovery from an inflamed Achilles tendon can take six weeks to six months. Oh, Johnny, I don't like that. I don't like reading that. I don't like, but apparently it's a doubt for the Everton game. Um, but the good thing is it's, it's not broken. If it's, in, if it's inflamed, we can work with that. I just hope that it's not six months to recover from something that's inflamed. That's, that would not be good. Um, okay, Johnny. All right. Well, uh, we've got to the end of the show because I've got a meeting uh, coming up. Have you got any other business that you want to share? Uh, Grand Theft no. Auto on uh, Comedy Central? Oh, yeah. Go on then. Yeah. We'll have a bit of that. Yeah. Uh, little snippets of the little um, Comedy Central set that I did. Uh, it was actually last year, you know, I filmed that. And it's been that long for it to come out. But I talk about a little incident of some niche racism that I received one day when playing Grand Theft Auto 5. So I talk about that as a little skit. If you want to check it out, it's on our, it's on my socials. I think you've shared it as well. So I'm sure you can shared find it. it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, cheers, man. It was uh, it was nice. And do you know what I found funny, Pete? Just, just before we go, there was someone who shared a tweet and was literally, they shared the comedy tweet and they were like, it's great to see a comedy set from football commentator Johnny Cochran. I'm like, fucking hell, when did I stop becoming a comedian and start just being a football commentator? All right, then. Your, we'll go with that your then. Your side hustle is now comedy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> your lifetime craft in the bin. <laughs> Two years exactly. podcasting is done. I'm moonlighting, but there you go. That's great so, stuff. Nice I'm looking one, forward to the Ring set, Johnny. That's got to come soon, isn't it? Got to come soon. It does. All right. Okay, well, thank you for listening. Uh, Johnny, Great to chat with you. Um, we are going to be on the whistle coming very soon. We've got our patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal opinion. We're going to be doing it before the whistle. And we are answering um, fan questions this week. So we've got some Q&A answers to get through. Remember, patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal opinion. And if you are on Spotify, you can leave um, little reviews or ask questions or do whatever. They've got this cool feature on Spotify. If you are on the podcast network, Apple, leave us a five-star review. Say something nice. We love those. Um, but outside that, um, hope everything's going all right through International Week. Um, drop us a tweet uh, if you need any support on that front. But we're, we're going to be out the back end soon. Everton coming. Cannot wait for that. And we'll be back with you on, on the whistle. And uh, we'll have a great time. So on that note, I'm going to say ciao for now. Podcast Network.